talk about being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We are, I am, and together we sing and we think and we explore Abide With Me as we just sang, looking at, considering those two followers of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Please be seated as we do. You probably know this, but I don't know anybody who denies that Jesus lived. I mean, it's universally accepted because it's been proven time and time again. But not everybody believes that he rose again after having been crucified. To those folks, I'd like to say, yes, but where do you think the body is? Why haven't you found it? I'm sure that people were looking for it after Jesus died and was claimed to have risen from the dead. And I'm certain people have been looking ever since. But you and I, we know, we believe Jesus Christ is risen. Risen indeed. That's why we're here. Because there is a lot of evidence. It is clear to us. And we see it again and again in Jesus' post-resurrection appearances, encountering the risen Jesus. We spoke these past weeks about Jesus appearing to the Marys, the Marys on Easter and even afterwards, and then last weekend to the 10 and then to the 11 disciples. Remember, without Thomas, without Judas, but then with Thomas. Today, it's two other disciples. But by that, Luke meant followers, but not of the number of 11. But important it is that Jesus appeared to them. Now, a number of you were here a couple of weeks ago when I showed you a picture, uh, this one. And I asked the question, have you found Jesus? And if you weren't there, look now, and have you found Jesus in that picture? It was a picture taken by a man a long time ago when it was snowing. <laughs> Maybe this past week. No, actually, it was long ago. He developed the film. This is what he saw. And more than snowflakes, he looked and he saw Jesus. How many of you see Jesus in that picture? Those of you who don't, nudge somebody who raised their hand. And you will, I trust, see Jesus. But you know the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, it was exactly the opposite. It wasn't, did those people find Jesus? He found them. The women, the disciples, over and over and over again. So that they would be sure and all the world could know that indeed he did rise from the dead. He appeared. And you know, have you ever thought about to whom he appeared. And not the names, but the kind of people to whom Jesus showed himself as risen from the dead. He showed himself to believers, to followers, only to them. Now, had I been Jesus, and I wasn't, I'm not, and gratefully, because if I had been, I would have been at least tempted to go to my accusers to my executioners, 
to those who gave me a hard time, even to the point of death, and saying, see, you killed me, but I'm back. <laughs> That's what I would have been tempted to do, but not Jesus. He appeared, he showed himself to believers. And people recognized Jesus, if not right away, after a bit. And those two on the road to Emmaus, it was after a little bit. Now this is one picture, but there's another famous picture by the artist Robert Zund. And you've seen that before, have you? It's seen in many places, in homes, and often in churches too. And it's easy to identify at least some of the characters, the one in the middle. You know, when I was little, we always knew who Jesus was in the picture. A halo, a bright light surrounding him. And, and even here, this picture drawn many years ago, you, you know right away. The two, well, one, Luke tells us, is by the name of Cleopas. The other, well, unnamed. Another follower of Jesus. Another man, a woman, we don't really know. But we do know that they were walking and talking. And that soon they would be walking and talking with Jesus. But they were wondering. They were saddened. They knew what had happened the last number of days, and it tore their heart out. And it was at that point that a stranger to them joined the walk and began to listen. Jesus didn't make himself known, not right away. Luke records they were kept from recognizing him. He played dumb. <laughs> Jesus did. Easy for me. I don't know how hard it was for Jesus. And he asked them, what are you discussing? And they told him. They told him what he already knew, but they told him their story. And they spoke of their hope that Jesus, as they understood and believed him to be the Messiah, would come and restore their country, their people, the people of Israel. Wondering whether he had been the only one who didn't know about these things, they told their story. But then, then, Jesus had opened his ears, but now opened his mouth. And he began to tell them what it was all about. They knew the story. Jesus knew the meaning. And boy, I wish I would have been one of those two or had some way to watch a video of it, to hear Jesus speak, to have record in the scriptures of what he said. What a, what a story Jesus had to tell. A Bible study, to be sure, walking down the road, beginning with Moses and going through all the prophets. He spoke of himself and pointed to those scriptures as being fulfilled in him, the Messiah, his identity and his purpose. You know, that's what Jesus still does today. He listens and he interprets history. We know what's going on, or at least to a certain degree. We think we know. We try to assemble as much information as we can. But Jesus then takes it 
and interprets it. We can try to understand in our own minds. We can speak with others. We can do our research and hopefully not only in Wikipedia, but other places as well. But when push comes to shove, we're not sure what we know, what the ultimate meaning of such things are. Think about what's going on right now. And you tell me whether what you know is fully understood in real terms. Jesus gives us the bigger picture. He steps back, he stands above it all, and he points us with his important, his critical interpretation of what you and I experience. And whatever you're thinking about, whatever we experience day by day, and Lord knows it's a lot these days, God is in control, Jesus tells us. No matter what it looks like, who is wielding the power and who's calling the shots, Jesus, his word, assures us that God is in control and that all of it, understood or not, is part of his purpose. And he uses it. God uses it to bring us to our knees in repentance. He has us understand that he is just that. So for whatever else we know, whatever else we do in light of what we know, we know we need each and all to repent and turn to him. And that we have opportunity to share our faith, a faith which goes beyond what's seen, what's experienced, and what human beings think. And Jesus speaks not only of the things that have happened, but will happen even during these days to help us get ready as we identify with his words to get ready for what is yet to come. Often undetected by many, often unseen, often unrecognized, but Jesus helps us because he interprets all these things for our benefit. And when all is said and done, this is exactly where we need to focus. You see, in all of this, it's important to understand for us Christians, there's two levels of reality. Easy to forget, but it's certainly not hard to forget that what we see, what we uh, taste, smell, and all the rest is physical. We experience it in our bodies. But there's another level of reality, unseen, undetected often by many, but one that Jesus puts us in touch with, the unseen level, the spiritual level that helps interpret what's going on today. Years ago, someone mentioned to me the name Frank Peretti, an author. He's written a number of books, but I remember picking up two of them, This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness. And he tells and still tells the stories as you look at his books about these two levels of a story that's played out in the world day by day, whatever the circumstances. But then almost in every other chapter, he takes us to a higher level and imaginary with this being fiction, what's going on in the spiritual realm that affects what's going on in the physical. And it's a helpful understanding a reminder or maybe an enlightenment 
about what you and I can know beyond what we see. We try hard, don't we? We listen to each other. We listen to the experts, the commentators. We read, we discuss. And that's what Cleopas and his friend were doing, rehearsing the facts and trying to understand. And it's hard. It's hard to know the truth at either level, especially today. But the most reliable thing we can depend on is Jesus' angle, his interpretation. You know, I've been thinking and read a long time ago and not so long ago about a Christian worldview. And I've also read that the researchers say not many of us have it. That is, getting into the scriptural mindset, into that truth through which we can see and understand what's going on and live according to that view which God gives us in Scripture. The, the very words of Jesus, the words of God. And then we can walk and talk. <laughs> walk and talk with each other. Fellow Christian, and sure, we hear a lot of other things all around us. Opinions, views, statements, and all the rest. But to immerse ourselves in the Christian worldview and to share that. Walking, talking. You know, so do I. Walking's good for you. It's good for all of us. You know, it helps us lose some weight. Cardiovascular, to be sure. And, and talking, yeah, that, that's good too. To get it out, to talk with each other, and especially with fellow Christians, it's helpful as well as important. Uh, Jesus walks with us, but not physically. But he is there. He accompanies us. And he's there in his word to talk with us. To talk with us. And that's the key. Those two followers of Jesus walking down the road took all that in. And then what did they say? Verse 29. Stay with us. They soaked it all up and they wanted even more. Tell us more. They were hungry for the truth. They needed, they wanted to understand more. And you and I, we too. This is why we gather together. This is why we speak with each other. This is why we listen to Jesus and his word. You know, so often we say to one another or we pray, Lord, be with Jane or Jack or Sally or Harry. And, you know, Jesus is with them. He's with each and all of us all the time. But maybe what we mean, and perhaps what we better say, is that help them understand you are with them. Give them that understanding and open their hearts to listen. Give them that openness as you are with them. And then not only stay with us, Jesus did. And remember how that went. In Luke chapter 24, verse 30, he said, when he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. They said, slow down, stay with us, share a meal with us. And that's what people do when they're friends, that, that fellowship, we call it. But this was more than just 
and every day fellowship. Did you hear? Did you hear? He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. The four steps, clearly, of what you and I experience and call Holy Communion. Not just a coming together with bread and wine, but a receiving even Jesus Christ himself. A special meal, a deeper fellowship. Holy Communion. Together to commune, to come together, and for God to come together us in a very special way. He's with us, and he's with us always. But we can think, well, he's with somebody else as we hear his word. That's for someone different. But at communion, it is for me. For me, the body of Christ in bread. For me, in the wine, the blood of Christ. A holy communion. And as they undoubtedly, at least in my mind, received that, what did Luke tell us? Their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened to the presence of Jesus, God with them. God with us. We recognize Jesus in bread and wine. Mysteriously there, we can't explain it, but we know him to be there because of his word. Personally, uniquely, in a very mysterious way that we can't even begin to describe. And then, as happened for them, Jesus disappeared. Well, we come and we go with communion, but Jesus doesn't disappear. He lives in us so that we can live in him. And there's two things about this in the experience of these two men. Jesus disappeared. You know, in his resurrection body, Jesus wasn't subject any longer to time and to space. During his life, he didn't just appear and disappear. He went, he traveled physically from place to place. But here, not subject to time and place, he left. This probably was Easter afternoon because Luke tells us it was the very same day as the resurrection. And he had places to go to see those disciples gathered behind closed doors. He disappeared in what for them, the Bible says, he appeared with the doors and windows shut. But Jesus doesn't disappear from us. He stays with us. And the result? Well, Cleopas and friend tell us in their words, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? There's heartburn that you want. There's heartburn that I want. It's a different kind. It's a better kind. That's what Jesus and his presence, that's what they do time and again. You know, there's special connections. And even in communion, we may feel that heartburn physically, maybe. Spiritually, we know it's going on and we receive it even if we don't detect it at the moment. You know, this is such a rich, rich narrative. Luke's the only one, but I'm grateful he recounted it and we can read it today because we can learn a lot walking and talking with Jesus, walking with him down the road. I know people who literally walk and talk 
with the Lord. Morning, evening, whenever. I don't walk, but I sit on a recumbent bike and I swim. And you know, where else can a mind go that's good than to walk and talk or ride or swim with Jesus? And then for all of us to walk in obedience with a view of everything through Jesus' eyes and to talk with each other and especially to talk with Jesus who's always got his ears open so that the results, the results will be our burning hearts. That'll take us in life, into all of it and through all of it, guaranteed. Amen? Amen.